So today we are uh, continuing our series again on the book of Romans. Throughout the summer, we've been working our way through this, uh, this very core, core teaching of the Bible. And as you know, Paul wrote this, this letter to the church in, that was in Rome um, and addressed many different issues and, and different things. And, and as we've been working through it, we've seen the structure of his letter and, and see definitely the first eight chapters of the letter uh, he goes through and addresses the way of salvation and, and it just lays out um, the whole gospel message and how we are all sinners and how that sin re- separates us from God and, and how um, God sent Christ to this earth to live a sinless life and die on a cross to pay our sin debt, rose again on the third day so that we can all be right, risen to life and with his spirit and be transformed by him and, and our lives changed. Again, when we accept Christ as our Savior again and, he, he, and we invite him in our life and confess our sins and ask that forgiveness, right, then we join the journey of faith and we get transformed by his spirit. Right? And we see in the first eight chapters he lays all of that out in that foundation of our faith. And we see again, chapter eight is, is the, not just, it's literally the middle of the letter, but it's also um, the, the whole letter hinges on chapter eight. And, and as we saw in chapter eight, we have four strong memory verses that are strong theological foundations of our faith. And then we see the subsection that goes in the next three chapters as we look through chapters 9, 10, and 11, and how he goes back and readdresses all of those and takes us to the next step of that and saying, and transitioning us one more time into the final section of the letter. And the final section we started just a couple weeks ago with chapter 12, right? And he starts out in chapter 12 and he, he gives us first off is he defines what biblical worship is in Romans 12 verse 1. Right? And, and literally we saw there that where worship is not just singing songs, it's not just coming to church, it's not just praying, but worship literally can be anything we do in our life. Every moment we are awake, every breath we take is a chance to worship God. Okay? If, if we do it for God's glory and, and to, to, move, to, to bring him honor, right? and, and again, to focus on him, it is an act of worship. Right? And so literally everything that we do, from every moment, every decision we make, every task we complete, every conversation we have can be an opportunity to worship God if it brings him glory, right? And then we see that, and then he moves on to verse two, and, and the next step of that is that now, as a follower of Jesus, what is our life gonna look like as we follow him, once we join the journey of faith and we are saved? And he talks in, in 12, two, and he talks about the transformation process that we enter into as a believer in Jesus Christ. Right, and that he takes where we were as a sinner and not just cleanses us of our sin and that we are saved, but then he starts to transform us from the inside out by changing the way that we think. Right, so we see that foundation, and then he moves into these different life topics and addresses what our life will look like as a follower of Jesus after our salvation experience. Right, what does that transformation look like? How, what areas of our life is it going to affect and so this last section, again, of the letter from chapter 12 all the way to the end in chapter 16, right, addresses these different life topics. And so we've seen that um, for the rest of chapter 12, um, he addresses life topic number one, which was church life, right? And we saw and talked about in that message about what does our life look like as a part of a body of believers and as a family and how do we help each other grow and how should we treat each other? And then we see life topic number two and number three are in chapter 13, which we looked at last week. Life topic number two is, is authority figures in our life. And life topic number three, the last part of chapter 13, was different lifestyle choices. And now today we get to chapter 14, 
and he addresses two more life topics in chapter 14. Okay, now as we go through chapter 14 today, next week we are going to cover chapters 15 and 16. We're going to end this series next week. Uh, so we'll finish Romans next week, and then the week after that is when we will start our Red Letter Challenge series. Okay, and that series, again, is based on the words of Jesus. In your Bible, if you have a Red Letter Bible, every time Jesus speaks, the words are read. Okay, and so that's what we're focusing on is on the, the Red Letter Challenge. We're going to focus on the words of Jesus and everything that he calls us to be, right? And how do we live out that with Jesus as we walk day to day. So like I said, we're, that's our next series, but we're going to finish up Romans first. So these two life topics that he covers in chapter 14 are related to each other. They intertwine with each other, but yet they have a very different focus. Okay, the first life topic is focused on how we interact with other people, with other believers, and the second one is about my own life and my own choices. Okay, but they are very connected. And so as we look at them, we're going to first look at Life topic number one, um, which is the judgment of others. Okay, and this is the, the first topic he addresses in Romans chapter 14. And it's the first half of the chapter. We're going to look at, at verses 1 through 13. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to Romans chapter 14. If you don't have your own Bible, don't have it with you, there are Bibles provided for you in the seats that you're welcome to use. And you'll notice on the outline is the page numbers of where you can find this passage in those Bibles. So go ahead and open up to Romans chapter 14, and we are going to read verses 1 through 13. So Romans 14, starting at verse 1, where it says, Accept other believers who are weak in faith, and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another, believers with a sen another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. For we don't live our, our, for ourselves or die for ourselves. We if we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be the Lord, both of the living and the dead. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me. Every tongue will confess and give praise to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to to stumble and fall. All right, so now as we stop and, 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 and pause at the, the first half of this chapter, we see again, life topic number one is addressed on judgment of others. Now, before we jump into what he addresses here, I first want to, to, to point out that this, once again, just like this entire section of the letter, is addressing how we interact with other believers. Okay, this is not talking about how we interact with non-believers. Hey, now, to say that is that 
um, again, he addresses us judgment of judging another believer. Now, unfortunately, in our world, right, one of the reputations of the Christian church, of people who are Christians in our world, especially among non-believers, is that we are the most judgmental people on the face of the earth. Hey, and now I will say is that absolutely breaks my heart. Hey, because we are told, we are told to not judge. Hey, and especially those that are not of the faith. Right? And again, that's not our place. And now here he addresses judgment of not unbelievers, but of fellow believers. And so again, he, we already know it's, it's a, a blanket standard that we are not, to not judge somebody who is not a believer. All right, that is not our place. Okay, and yet, now he addresses us actually judging other believers and, and again, how we interact with them. Okay, he, he starts addressing this in the, the first nine verses as he talks about two different issues that were coming up in the church in Rome. Okay, ones that, that there was disagreement about. Okay, the first one he addresses is what you eat or what you don't eat. Some people choose to eat something. Some people say it's sinful to do so. And there, there's some disagreements among the believers of whether they should eat or not eat. Okay, the other issue he addresses is what day they choose to gather and worship on. Okay, and so he addresses, you know, for the first four verses about whether you should eat or not eat, in verses five and six, he talks about what day you gather to worship. And then we see um, here, when we get to the end of six, is we see the first lesson that we need to learn on about judging each other and other believers. Okay, and that is this, is that motivation is more important than action. Okay, motivation is more important than action. Now, it, I want to say, first I want to uh, identify the word action. It's, when you think about actions, now there are things in Scripture that are blatantly defined as a sinful action. Okay, it's very, Scripture is very clear. That, that is a sin. Don't do that. Okay, that is not what Paul is addressing here. Okay, he is not talking about sin. He is talking about things that aren't, aren't really sins, but yet that we still disagree about, like whether we should eat this food or not, or what day we should gather to worship on. Okay, are the two issues he addresses there. But he, he wants us to understand that these are likely personal preference type of issues, not sinful issues. Okay, and as we... As we learn that, we, he tells us that the motivation of these decisions is very, very important. In fact, more important than the actual action. Okay, he addresses this in verse 6. Okay, when he says, those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor him. Those who eat any kind of food and do so to honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. Okay, notice as he's addressing, whether you decide to eat or not to eat, whether you gather on this day or that day, they all have exactly the same motivation. Right? And the motivation is to honor the Lord, to serve him, to give him the glory, to give thanks to him. All of those things, right, is they all have exactly the same motivation. And he's saying the motivation is incredibly important as to whether you should judge them or not. Right? Because, again, if they're doing it to please God right, and to honor him, then, then let them do it. Right? They, they, them pleasing God is more important than your personal preference. Or even if you disagree that, hey, you should, you should worship on this day, not that day. Right? If that's what God is, if that, 
It helps you to please the God more by going on that day than do it on that day. If it helps them better on that day, then let them go on that day. Right? It's all about what your motivation in wanting to honor the Lord. Right? Because truth is, we can make decisions on all kinds of other motivations. Like I said, it might be our own personal preferences. Right? It, it might be to please somebody else. Right? It might be just to make us look good right, to everybody. There's lots of different motivations we can take in making some of these decisions. And yet, Paul is telling us, he's like, you know what? The motivation is far more important than the action. And the truth is the only person that really knows the motivation behind a decision is you. Right? Between your own decisions, you're the only one that really knows your true motivation. The decisions I make for myself are the only ones I know what the real motivation is. Again, I can look at somebody else and look at their decision and look at their actions and their attitudes, and I can, I can assign a motivation to their actions, right? But I might not be right. Because the, oftentimes the action looks exactly the same, even if the motivation is drastically different or even off base. Yeah, I will tell you, there are times right, in my life, this is the biggest reason why I have been misunderstood by people in my life, right, somebody doesn't like a decision I make, or an attitude, or a way that I respond to something, whatever, they, they assign a motivation, or feel like of why I said that, or why I did that, and that becomes the source of the conflict, right, and when you sit down, and really talk about it, and discuss it, and then we start to realize, okay, maybe it wasn't a decision, really, that, that you're upset about, it was that you think I made the decision because of this motivation, and oftentimes we find out that it's not true. It's not accurate. And I'll say, I've been misunderstood that way, and I have misunderstood many other people in this, for the same reason. Right? Because I, don't, I can't judge your motivation. Right? And until we sit down and talk about it, and you tell me what your motivation is, right, then I, have, I really have no idea. I just assign what I think your motivation was. Right? And therefore, oftentimes, becomes a source of conflict. Again, when I guess on what your motivation is about a comment or a decision or an attitude, most of the times we are wrong. Oftentimes we are wrong. Okay, when we guess at someone's motivation. Again, it, it can create all kinds of issues in our life, and especially among other believers. Okay, and again, because outward action, right, can, can, meet, can show a lot of different things. Again, I can tell you, even as we have been doing all these projects within the church, and even today as we see, you know, the sanctuary looks different. And again, it's, we can assign a motivation as to why we're doing that. Someone can look at that and assume that, oh, they're, they're doing that just because they want to they wanna look great or, or to be, you know, whatever it would be. Okay, again, I can tell you, as, as your pastor, and I can tell you, is, is my motivation for all the projects and updates we've done in the building is so that we can better fulfill our mission, that God is glorified through it. Because we've talked with the board about all of the decisions and how we're spending this money and all of the updates that we've made, right, is the number one factor in the influence of all of these decisions for the board has been kingdom impact. How will it help our church move forward to better reach more people in our community, to better help people grow in their faith, and all those things. And again, I can speak for myself as your pastor, and that has been a major motivation of the board and the decisions that they've made. Okay, I'll tell you that that has been the motivation. Now, again, you can assign some diff different kinds of motivations, you know, to the outwards, but I can tell you, like, that's where I'm coming from. 
right? And I think as we realize that, right, is, is the motivation is very, very important. And then as we realize that, right, that sometimes we get the motivation wrong, it leads us to the next lesson that Paul teaches us as we think about whether we judge others, believers, or not. And that is, he reminds us that God is the judge, not me. Right, that ultimately God is the one that makes the decision. Right, it's, again, I don't have um, the, the authority or the role to decide whether what you do is right or wrong. Again, and I can tell you truthfully, I don't want that job. Right? I'm glad that God is the one deciding. I don't want to judge your life. Right? I, I have a big enough problem working on my own. Right? But as, as we realize that, right, we're going to be understand that God is the one that decides. He is the one that judges us. Right? We, and we, again, he reminds us that in a couple different places in verses 10 and 12. He says, so why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. He is the one that we are accountable to. And remember, he's addressing believers. As a believer, right, is we've already been, I mean, judged upon on our salvation, but we will still give an account to God. Now, as we read that statement, especially 12, right, verse 12, each of us will give a personal account to God. Now, that is either like a chance to be like, hey, to stand before God and be like, God, look what I did with everything you gave me, the time I had. I did everything I did for your glory, Lord. Like, I hope I did a good job for you. Or you read that statement and it kind of sends a shudder of guilt down, down your back. Of like, oh, I am going to have to answer to God for what I did with what he gave me. I hope it's motivation. Again, to bring him honor, right? And to say, I'm going to take it full advantage of everything he's given me, all the time I have, everything to do, to say that I will be, and that I will be proud to stand in front of God and say, God, I gave you everything I had. Right? And it was for your glory. Because he's the judge, not me. And like I said, I'm not going to focus so much on, on me and being able to stand before God and say, Lord, I did this for you. Right? And if, if I'm focusing on me and you're focusing on you, then we don't have to judge each other. Right, because we're going to just help each other move forward. Right, which, which leads then to the next point that he teaches. And that is the fact that judgment and accountability are not the same thing. Hey, because, again, if I'm focusing on my life and my motivations and, and honoring God with everything I do, and you're doing the same in your life, right, then we look at each other and we can help each other move forward. And that's called accountability. Right, and, in fact, we are called to do that all throughout Scripture. Okay, accountability is, is given to other believers to help them get better as, as alongside me getting better in my own faith as well. Right? There's just a couple verses. Again, there are verses all over Scripture that tell us to hold other believers accountable. Okay, just a couple. Proverbs 27, 17. Okay, it says, The iron sharpens iron, and so friend sharpens a friend. Okay, another one in James 5, 16. It says to confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Again, these are just two of the many verses throughout all of Scripture that tell us we are supposed to hold each other accountable as fellow believers. Right? To move us forward. Right? Again, accountability is is we're walking alongside, we're helping each other be better to move forward in our journey, right? Judgment is looking down on other people 
right? And, and then believing in them or not believing in them and declaring them guilty or bad. Judgment is about condemning somebody else and declaring them guilty. And we oftentimes do that by comparing them to me, not to God's standard, right? Well, again, that's judgment. And Paul's telling us, don't judge other believers. Do not do it. Yet we are supposed to hold each other accountable. Accountability and judgment are not the same. And we see then in verse 13, he makes this very clear. as He says, so let's stop condemning each other. Right? Because again, judgment is about condemnation. Let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Right? Because just as I said, is one of our, our, our cultural you know, definitions of Christianity from, the out, from unbelievers looking at Christianity think that we're, we're very judgment people. Okay? But I will tell you is that I've also heard in my experience right, and dealing with other people in churches and believers is like that's one of the biggest reasons why people don't want to attend church, even as a believer. Because every time I show up at church, I feel completely judged by everybody around me. Okay, and that is just, if not more, sad than our reputation with unbelievers. Right, because what are we supposed to come to church for? We're supposed to come here to be encouraged and be held accountable by each other and, and be filled with God's spirit and, and be, get filled up for the week to serve him for the rest of the week out in the world, right? And, and we're supposed to be encouraged by each other, not condemned by each other, not judged by each other. Right, and he says, right, he says, yes, hold each other accountable, but but, but think about instead to live in a way that will cause another believer to move forward in their faith, not to stumble and fall. Because unfortunately, within Christianity, we are really good at shooting our wounded. And that absolutely breaks my heart. And I hope it does yours too. Right, as he tells us, do not judge each other. Yes, hold each other accountable. Right? But it's to move each other forward. And then he moves on in verse 13. And verse 13 is the connecting verse. As he says, don't condemn each other, but, but live to help others move forward. And this connecting verse moves us into the second life topic. Okay, life topic number five that he's addressed in this whole section is gray area sin. Now again, notice that gray area is in quotations because it's my phrase. I made that up. Okay, a gray area sin. Again, he addresses these things. Now, again, as I said, there are things in Scripture that are very clearly sinful. Okay, and this is not what he's addressing in this section, but let's see what he does address. Okay, in uh, Romans 14, verses 13 through 23. So again, 13 is included in both sections. It's, it's the connecting verse, starting verse 13. So let's stop condemning each other and decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it is wrong, then for that person it's wrong. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And if you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable, 
But it is wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you are doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. But if you, if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. Okay, now as we look at this section, as he addresses gray area sin, again, I will tell you gray area sin, and what I mean by that phrase, is something that is not blatantly sinful, but it might be sinful depending on the circumstances and how far along you are on your transformation journey. Meaning that for some believers, it is sinful, for some or others, it might not be. And that is what I mean by gray area sin. Now, Paul gives us a few things to consider as we make these choices of, is it sin for me or is it not? Is it something I should do or, or should I not? Is, is it going to help me in my faith journey or is it not? Here's the first um, thing that he gives us to consider is this concept. That there are things in my life that are permissible but not profitable in my faith journey. Okay, there are things in my life that are permissible, meaning I can do it, but it may not be profitable. It's not going to help me in my faith journey. Okay, now as we think about this concept, this is a concept that, that Paul teaches extensively on in, in, in some of his other letters. Okay, now um, if, if you're on social media, there's a couple different campaigns and things you can follow on social media. There's one um, that's put on by Toby Mack. He's a popular Christian artist. Um, and it's, it's a, a social media campaign called Speak Life. You can follow it. They just give you encouraging comments and things, and they post these different stuff. I saw this one pop up the other day. It says, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And, and this, again, this is another way of saying the same concept that Paul is teaching us here in Romans. That even if it's permissible, meaning I can do it, it might not be profitable. Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't, even though I can Okay, we need to keep this concept in our mind as we decide, is this something I should be doing or not? Like I said, this is a concept Paul teaches extensively on in the book of 1 Corinthians. Okay, he uses this concept to address a few different life issues in that book and that letter, ranging from legal action to sexuality to purchasing and eating meat that had been sacrificed to idols. Okay, these were common issues for the church in Corinth. And we can see here in Rome right, is that the eating was an issue for the church there as well, because he's brought it up multiple times in this chapter. Again, that was their list then. Okay, the list for us today is somewhat different in our American culture in 2019, but this concept is incredibly relevant, right, is that there are things that are permissible but not profitable in my faith journey. Hey, look, in verse 17, Okay, Paul tells, he says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Again, it might not, it might be permissible, I might be able to do it, but ultimately we need to ask, is it profitable? And, and it comes down to, this is the standard, right? Is if I do this, if I continue to do this in my life, is it bringing into my life goodness and peace and joy and bringing me closer to the Holy Spirit? Because if it's not, it might not be blatantly sinful, but it also is holding me back in my faith journey. Right? Meaning it's not profitable in my faith journey. It's not moving me forward. 
Right? Is it bringing goodness and peace and joy? Is it bringing me closer to the Holy Spirit? Or is it pushing God out of my life? Because that's what sin does, right? Sin pushes and here's a barrier between us and God. And if we indulge in some of these gray area sins, it'll put that barrier still between us, between us and God. And it won't bring in goodness and peace and joy and more of the Holy Spirit. That is the first standard as we say, again, should I do this or should I not? Does it bring life, goodness, and peace and joy? Is it helping me move forward in my faith journey or is it holding me back? And then the next concept he teaches us in making this decision is knowing that sometimes I need to prioritize other people's faith journey above my personal preferences. Sometimes I need to prioritize other people's faith journey above my personal preferences. Again, many of these issues come down to personal preference. Again, in verse 21, he tells us, it is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. By saying, if you have a question, and maybe it doesn't even affect your faith, but if it affects their faith, then it's better to not do it. Right? Because that's, that's, again, the love and the accountability that we're supposed to give to each other. Again, last week, I, I shared a story about when we lived with a family for a couple weeks and, you know, his rule about not taking the last beer. And, and, and I said, like I said, it was an issue for us because we, Maureen and I, we had mutually agreed that we were not going to drink alcohol. Again, I will tell you why we decided that. Part of our motivation of doing that was exactly this concept because we were working together in youth ministry, right? We were ministering to teenagers. And we all know that teenage underage drinking is a major, major issue in our culture. Right? And so we decided just as being an example for them to follow, we're not going to drink. Okay? Because for them, it's blatantly sinful. They are underage. Right? So for them, it is a sin. Even though we're overage, and again, if, if you're a Christian and you drink, I'm not saying that that's, it's a gray area sin. Right? Again, for us, we had teenagers in our house all the time. We were around them and we say, we don't want them to see alcohol in our fridge and then that be a motivation for them to, to choose to drink. Right? And, and also in that, right, is even we didn't want to interact with other people from the church, even adults who, who have struggled with alcohol, whether they're a recovering alcoholic or whatever it is, for them drinking is a sin. And we didn't want to run into them in the grocery store with, with beer in our cart and then to be like, well, Pastor Brian can drink, so maybe it's okay for me too. Right now, again, in that, it's not, again, I've no, I really, honestly, there are times I wish I could just sit down and drink a beer with my, with my pizza. Right, but we've decided we're not going to do that. Because it better affects other people's faith, not just ours. Okay, and sometimes that becomes the deciding factor. Okay, and when we think about that and realize, again, whether we decide to do it or not, then we have to, there's this very important teaching in the last two verses of this chapter. Okay, and that is something we have to learn to decipher against as a believer. Okay, and as we continue to move forward and make the decisions on these gray area issues. And that is the fact that guilt and conviction are not the same thing. Okay, guilt and conviction are not the same thing. Okay, now this comes out of verse 22 and 23. So we'll start with guilt is addressed in verse 22. Okay, verse 22, it says, You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you are doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they've decided is right. Okay, now this, again, addresses guilt, and I'll say is that guilt is a tactic of the enemy designed to pull you down and keep you away from blessings. Okay, let me say that again. Guilt is a tactic of the enemy that is designed to pull you down and keep you away from blessings. 
Now again, you might be wondering, how do I get that out of that verse? Okay, well, let, let me show you. Okay, on your outline, okay, is, um, I circle the word guilty. Okay, and then right above it, okay, and right next to it, circle the word blessed. Okay, and then draw a line between those two circles. Guilty and blessed. Because what does he say? He says, blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something that they've decided is right. Okay, which means if I do feel guilty, it's going to keep me away from God's blessings. Okay, and that, that's nothing that God wants to do. Okay, that is a tactic of the enemy. Right? It's designed to push you further away from God and from his blessings. It will keep you from his blessings. Guilt is a tactic of the enemy designed to push, push you down and keep you away from God's blessings. Okay, guilt is not a reason to stop doing something in your life because guilt is not from God. However, he doesn't stop there. He moves on to conviction in verse 23. 23, but if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. Okay, so conviction is a tactic of the Holy Spirit, and it is designed to make you better and aid you in your spiritual transformation and your spiritual journey. Let me say that one again. Conviction is a tactic of the Holy Spirit to make you better and aid you in your spiritual transformation. Again, how do I get that out of this verse? Okay, first off, okay, circle, following your convictions. Okay, and make sure you include the word not. Okay, not following your convictions. Okay, and then it's in here twice. Circle the word sinning. If you are not following your convictions, you are sinning. Okay, and when we realize this, that this, this conviction, again, is the top reason that I should stop doing something in my life. Because conviction is from God. And it is when God convicts me of, of one of these gray area things and says, this is holding you back. Because it's designed to move me forward in my faith and closer to Christ. Again, guilt and conviction are not the same thing. And guilt and conviction sound a lot alike in your head. In fact, they sound exactly the same in your head. And that's a part of your transformation journey and moving forward in your faith is learning to decipher between guilt and conviction. Once we can tell the difference, then I know how to move forward. Right? If I know it's guilt then I ignore it and I move on, right? And, and I, I counteract it with truth and say, nope, God has blessed it. He's continuing to bless it. I'm not gonna feel guilty, right? If I am convicted, then I respond and I change, right? Because God wants to move me forward. Guilt and conviction are not the same thing, right? And one, again, is a tactic of the enemy to, to push me back hold me down and separate me from God's blessings. And conviction is a tool of the Holy Spirit to move you forward in your faith. And as we realize that, and when we look at whether I'm judging somebody else or whether I'm deciding if a gray area of sin needs to be in my life or not, right, is these are all connected through knowing about I need to stop con 
looking down and condemning other believers and yet think about their faith and mine. And how are we working together to help us all move forward closer to Christ, to be more like him tomorrow than I am today? And I realize that I want to close with this thought comes out of Proverbs 12, 15. Okay, where it says, fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. And I don't know about you, but I do not want to be labeled a fool. Okay, and I don't want to just think that my own way is right. I want to listen to others. I want to listen to God, and I want to listen to other believers who hold me up in accountability and be able to move forward in my faith. And I hope you do too. God, that's our prayer today, Lord. We are so thankful, God, that your love never fails us. God, that no matter what we face, God, we don't have to be afraid. And God, that we know that your love, God, when it convicts us, it's to make us better. And God, I pray, Lord, that this week, Lord, that we would not be judging of each other, but God, we would focus on our own faith. God, in moving us forward, and as we all do that together, we will hold each other accountable. God, knowing, Lord, that we can be closer to you. We can be more like you tomorrow than we are today. Lord, by listening to your spirit. God, by, by following the leading in our lives from you. God, because we know that you love us. God, and your love never fails. And God, as we go this week, I pray, God, that by us living out our faith, our true faith, and living our, being loved by you, God, will show this world what being a follower of Jesus really is like. God, that we're not judgmental. We're just falling at the foot of your cross. God, wanting to be more like you tomorrow than we are today. God, help us to shine that love and that light in this world as we go throughout our life this week. God, we love you and we praise you. Thank you for all you do and guide us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.